This morning, as you may have had the indication, I say that we were going to be uh, focusing on um, marketplace ministry. and It's our joy to be able to uh, introduce to some and present to, the most, to, to most of you who already know this precious couple, um, Dr. Nathan um, Biaikaita is coming to share God's word today. And so let us stand and welcome him. He and his wife, Anne, are from the African province of Uganda, a part of the family here. And God has been doing some tremendous things in their lives. And for a number of weeks, I felt that this is something we need to be able to uh, benefit from during this time of harvest, understanding marketplace ministry. And so it's a joy and delight to be able to have um, Dr. Nathan. And you know that in the marketplace, he's uh, WHO uh, representative here in this country, and we are grateful to God. Uh, over to you. Okay, thank you so much, Bishop, for this introduction and the opportunity to stand before the congregation. On this, today's Father's Day, and I honor you as the father of the house and someone who has adopted us as, a, as children in the house. I do not take this lightly. Maybe let's just pray so that people can see it. Lord, we thank you for this opportunity you've given us to bring your word to your people. Even as I minister, I pray that you give me utterance and, cl and clarity and let your anointing be on us so that we will learn together about marketplace Christianity in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 So let's take our seats. So I want to thank God for this opportunity. But before I get into the word, I just want to mention that God has been very good to us as a family, and we've had some milestones that we needed to share with you. The Bible says, for they overcame by the blood of the Lamb and the word of their testimony. So in the month of May, we had a number of landmarks. One, on 2nd May, 30 years in marriage to this beautiful lady. On 7th May, our only daughter and the acting last born turned 21 years, meaning <laughs> that all our three children are young adults. We don't have any more kids in the family. Lisa, I know you are heading in that direction too. Amen. Then on 26th May was my wife's birthday. She turned 16, <laughs> plus two score, oh, okay, <laughs> and we thank God for that. And then on the 26th of May was the third anniversary of the North Mid Assemblies of God affirmation, because it was delivered on the 26th of May. 
And I'll talk a little more about that. And on 30th May, I marked 40 years in salvation. So I really thank God for what he has done for us as a family. Then one last thing that I thank God for. How many of you have heard of the Wisdom Nuggets by Daddy Nuts? This is Daddy Nuts. So I thank God for the opportunity he's given us to discuss the book of Proverbs. And we continue to thank him for that. So at this time, I just want to thank, to ask my wife to say hello to you, the one who's sweet 16 plus two score, and then I'll get into the word. Okay, praise God. We thank God for this is the day the Lord has made, and we'll rejoice, and we are expectant to hear from God through his servant, Dr. Nathan Bachaita. Over to you. God bless you. Thank you, my dear wife. Now, I've been introduced in my capacity as the WHO representative, but let me rephrase that a little bit. I am a born-again Christian who happens to be the WHO representative to Zambia. And I insist on that order, all right? <laughs> a born-again Christian who happens to be the WHO representative in Zambia. My mission is to know Christ and make him known and famous in the marketplace. I am passionate about representing Christ well wherever he's planted me. I am going to heaven, all right? And I want to go there with as many people as possible. All these titles mean absolutely nothing if on that day I don't make it to heaven. All my dreams and aspirations revolve around this one thing. I have learned to keep the main thing, the main thing. And the main thing is I am going to heaven and while I'm still on earth, I need to represent Christ so that when the trumpet sounds, I am rapturable. That's a new word we created with a friend. I ask your neighbor, are you rapturable? Will you disobey the laws of gravity on that day? Keep the main thing, the main thing. We are going to heaven. So now I want to get into my sermon for today after that introduction. Two Sundays ago, Pastor Katanga preached from the book of Jeremiah on the subject, Is anything too difficult or hard for God? From Jeremiah 32. 27. Now, prior to the sermon and during the worship, the Lord had impressed upon me to go back and study Jeremiah 29, 4 to 14, something I was planning to do as soon as I got back home. The Lord, however, during the service, the Lord instructed me that I read that portion as soon as the worship session was over and the prayer, and so... Eh, don't do this at home. I was reading that portion while the announcements were going on. So when Pastor FK, I call him FK, but Pastor Katanga, covered chapters 27, 28, and then ended up in 29, it was confirmation for me to go back home and study. I've, there's a reason why I'm giving this story, because I revisit it. So after the service, 
I got back home and had an incredible time with the Lord as I studied Jeremiah 29.4.14 and I made a lot of notes. So when I was asked to preach this Sunday, the Lord led me to the same passage. So Pastor Kaltanga laid the foundation. I'm building on it and trust that the Lord will give the increase. Amen. Amen. Also, blame whatever I'll say on him because he stirred up a mighty storm in me. And by the way, have you noticed that Pastor Katanga has taken his smartness a notch higher? <laughs> He's smart to the T and I try to copy you. Alright? I usually dress very casually to church, but today I said let me try to copy Pastor Katanga. <laughs> but Pastor Katanga, thank you so much for bringing that word on that day. With your permission, Pastor Katanga, I allow me to do part two of your sermon because you said you had another part to do. <laughs> and you'll do part three on another day. Agreed? <laughs> All right, we've agreed. <laughs> so today, I want to speak to you on the subject positioned in the marketplace to bring in the harvest. So let's have our first scriptural passage. The guy is in the sound room. So this is what the Lord of Heaven's enemies, the God of Israel, says to all the captives he has exiled to Babylon from Jerusalem. Build homes and plan to stay. Plant gardens and eat the food they produce. Marry and have children. Then find spouses for them so that you may have many grandchildren. Multiply do not dwindle away. We just obey that command today. You saw the multiplication here today? And work for the peace and prosperity of the city where I sent you into exile. Pray to the Lord for it, for its welfare will determine your welfare. Verse 8. This is what the Lord of heaven's armies, the God of Israel, says. Do not let your prophets, some people call them prophets, but prophets, and fortune tellers who are within the land of Babylon trick you do not listen to their dreams because they are telling you lies in my name and I have not sent them, says the Lord. Verse 10, this is what the Lord says. You will be in Babylon for 70 years, but then I'll come and do for you all the good things I have promised you and I'll bring you home again. For I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord. There are plans for good and not for disaster, to give you a future and a hope. Now in English, whenever a sentence starts with words like for, therefore, however, you need to pay close attention to the preceding statement and the context. Pastor Katanga laid the foundation, gave the background that these were a people exiled to Babylon and had a promise from the Lord to return home. God given a word that it would be 70 years, but another prophet, Hananiah, thought he knew better than the Lord and was reducing it to two years instead of seven. As you all know the story, Hananiah died in the process, so be very careful about changing God's word. A Hananiah may happen in our presence, okay? Stick to what God has told you to do. 
the Lord comes through Jeremiah and says, it is still 70 years in Babylon. Furthermore, he gives more instructions on how they were to live in that land while they waited for the fulfillment of the promise. He said that his plan for them was good and would give them the best future. Now, in our case, the best or ultimate future is making it to heaven. Tell your neighbor, I'm going to heaven. <laughs> that is the ultimate future. Everything else must line up behind that. Hmm? The harvest we are talking about is ultimately about getting to heaven with as many other people as possible. But while we are still on earth, there is a lot to do wherever you are and for me in the marketplace. And so I want to derive some principles from this passage of scripture on how to be effective and contribute to the harvest wherever the Lord sends you. So tell your neighbor, I'm sent by the Lord for the harvest. Everything else that I do revolves around that, primary, that principal objective. Amen. Now, just in case some people are wondering, let me tell you what, I, what my understanding of the harvest is. The harvest is cyclic. In other words, it's a cycle. You bring in people, build them up, send them, and then sending them out to manifest Christ, and then they bring others in turn. So that is the harvest, all right? Many times we are strong at evangelism, but very poor at discipleship programs that are able to build these people, retain them, and in their place they also bring other people. My prayer is that the Lord will guide you to engage in this cyclic cycle. It's not a coincidence that we are going to have some ordination or setting up people afterwards who are involved in part of the harvest. The question is, what is your part in the, in the harvest? And so I'm going to share a few points of how you can position yourself in the marketplace and yet be working for the harvest, keeping the harvest as the main point. So let me have my next slide, please. I want to focus on, yes. So I want to focus on the first scripture. So the title for this is Sent to the Marketplace for the Harvest. This is what the Lord of Heaven's armies, the God of Israel, says to all the captives he has exiled to Babylon from Jerusalem. Now, some other versions say carried, sent away. There is even one which says deported, caused to be carried, captives, prisoners. The key point here is that they may not have got there in a nice way, but God had orchestrated their movement to Babylon in the first place. Amen? So when God positions you somewhere. It does not matter how you really got there because his plans will be executed through his sovereign will and power. Some of us get into a job position and station because the Lord sent you. Even if you got there through connections. Huh? 
Still God orchestrated it and could have blocked it if he did not want you to be there. I hear some Christians say, faith without connections is dead. Is that what the Bible says? Faith without works is dead. But some people say you pray, but also you need connections. Even if you got there through connections, it's still God who orchestrated it. Then, maybe you got there through technical know-who rather than technical know-how. Eh? <laughs> Alright? Technical what? Instead of technical know-how. Because you had faith with connections. But it doesn't matter how you got there. Alright? Still, it is the Lord at work. So my first point is accept that it is God who has planted you in that place for a season, even as you aspire for the ultimate destiny. Because unless you accept that it is God who sent you to that place, you'll be very ineffective for the harvest. All right? Amen. Amen. Let's go to the second point. My second point is stay put or settle down for the sake of the harvest. He says, build homes and plan to stay. Plant gardens and eat the food they produce. Other Bible versions say, settle down, make yourselves at home. Have you gone to somebody's home and they tell you, make yourself at home? It means that you have access to all kinds of places and you have the freedom to do what you would like to do to make a difference. So the key message I want to pass on here is have a settled down mentality. Do you know people who are restless? They go here, they are restless, they want to go to another place, then they are restless, they want to go. You will never be effective at the workplace if you never settle down. I have visited refugee camps and the layout and housing structure will tell you whether the occupants are planning to stay or not. You will never be effective in a job or position if you have a vagabond attitude or spirit that is not settled like Cain was cast to be a vagabond or homeless wanderer in Genesis 8, 4 to 12. So the word vagabond is not an abuse. It simply means, I know some people say you're a vagabond and you think you're abused. No, a vagabond is somebody who never settles. And it was a curse over Cain. So, so if you find that you're unsettled, pray and break the vagabond spirit in the name of Jesus. All right? So that you can settle there. Because if you don't settle, even in a church, if you don't settle, even in the marketplace, wherever, you will never be able to contribute effectively. You, you always be saying, after all, I'm leaving anytime, so let me just put in enough to stay alive. Such an attitude in the marketplace will be quickly detected by your fellow employees and employers and will make you a very poor team member. Tell your neighbor, settle down. Settle down. Don't have the vagabond spirit. He said, build houses, plant gardens, eat from them. 
What he's saying, invest your effort, your resources, and energy in building up that place for your good and the community at large. Make medium and long-term plans that will establish you and make you more effective for the harvest. You know, people do all sorts of crazy things when they know that they will be in a place for a short time as long as what happens in Vegas remains in Vegas. Eh? You've heard that saying? <laughs> eh? What happens in Vegas remains in Vegas? We are not in Vegas. We are servants of the kingdom of God. Our decisions and actions have eternal consequences and so must not be taken lightly. So my second point is have a settled down attitude and a, a mentality. Engage that like you'll be there for a long time, even if you may be there because you don't know when God will move, isn't it? So this expands your reach and ability to contribute to the harvest. So, our second, so the first one is God sent you there. The second one is have a settled down mentality. No vagabond spirit in the name of Jesus. Number three, establish strategic relationships for the harvest. This was an exiled group with a promised return home. And like I said before, it can influence your decisions. As you heard, I'm, the I'm from the province of Uganda, but God has given us the grace to live in the province of Zambia for the last four and a half years. But one day I'll go, all right? And so there are certain things I do differently because I'm a temporary resident here, unless God changes certain things. The Lord tells them to settle down, plan to stay, and establish strong roots and relationships. So when he says marry and have children, then find spouses for them so that you may have many grandchildren multiply. Do not dwindle away. In that community at that time, the most strategic relationships were established through marriage, and that expanded your family overnight. Okay? And uh, today's Father's Day, isn't it? Please, men, don't use that verse to say that the preachers say that go and have more wives and marry children, eh? And have children, eh? Did you, you miss the joke? Okay. That will be for another day. I'll repeat. I'm telling the men here, don't use the scripture to say that the preachers said go and marry and have children and your children. No, this one, if you're already married, it refers to your children getting married, okay? One husband, one wife. Hallelujah. Amen. Wives, remind your husbands. If your husband is, you say, one husband, one wife. Okay. <laughs> Amen. Are you following me? Amen. So, build relationships with all the people you interact with, with the harvest in mind. Amen? At the workplace, it is not that easy to just approach somebody and tell them about Jesus without establishing a good relationship. 
At my level, I have colleagues who are more senior to me of different faith and persuasions. They know I'm born again through various sources. Therefore, I live my life before them in such a way that should an opportunity present itself for me to talk about Christ, my questionable lifestyle will not be a hindrance. Sometimes God presents a wonderful opportunity, but maybe because of a joke you cracked, a joke you forwarded, something you did, you also took a bribe, you also wrote the fuel receipts, and that opportunity is lost. And that person's destiny is lost forever. So make sure that you live your life by establishing relationships, but you live before them in such a way that when that opportunity comes, there is nothing to stand in the way. God has given me an opportunity to write the wisdom nuggets. I post them on some of the church groups and on Facebook, and they are read across the world. Although it's wisdom from the book of Proverbs and Ecclesiastes, it is the word of God and is contributing to the harvest. I pray every day for my audience as I dispatch them. Four of, four of my colleagues in this country who are at the same level as me and other people I would struggle to introduce the gospel to are receiving them through these channels and look forward to receiving the nuggets every morning. My high school and university buddies who are notorious for the wrong things <laughs> demand for the nuggets and even call me when the supply stops. So we have this chat group of 80 men. There are no women, all right, because mm, this group was very interesting when we were in school. But I'm a member of that group because I felt I needed to befriend them and find a way of ministering. And so when I introduce the nuggets, they really love them. All right? Some of them I've never even met who even call me and say, Chief, what is happening? The nuggets are not coming. That is my opportunity to minister to them. That is my opportunity. And as God leads, the nuggets are beginning to change the format from just wisdom. I'm beginning to introduce a bit of the gospel, but I've hooked these guys. All right? So what avenue has God given you to engage for the harvest? Some of these guys, they are not born again. On that group of eight, I think we are only five who are born again. We even have Muslims. In fact, one of the Muslims always acknowledges, two of them acknowledge these nuggets. One of the colleagues wrote to me yes, on, on Friday that the nugget just came in time and barred him from making a drastic decision that would have ruined his life forever. Which channel of engagement has God given you? So he side-chatted me, and I told him, this guy, I won't tell you his name, but we nicknamed Sheikh. I don't know why. I, I, one of these days, I want to find out why we nicknamed him Sheikh in school. But I told him, I am praying for you that God would help you to overcome that. Because he told me that there's a dispute in the family. I feel like strangling somebody. That's what he told me. So what channel has God given you to be able to pass on the nugget? Now let me turn to Elder Gibster. <laughs> I've got you. 
Sometime this year, Elder Gibson and myself attended a farewell party at the American ambassador's residence for a colleague who was leaving the country. He is a brother in the Lord and was the director for CDC in this country. So we were given an opportunity to say something about him. Now, everybody in that meeting was talking about how smart upstairs and how intelligent he was, but also how humble he was. So when it came to my turn to speak, and they were, the ambassador was there, or the acting ambassador, there were senior government officials, and many other people who I do not know to be religious or to go to church, I just stood up and I told them, you've talked about his work. For me, I'm going to talk about Brother X, my friend. And then I went to talk about the fact that once in a while, on Saturdays, we would go walking with him for 10 kilometers. Yeah, I'm, I still do crazy things like that. And during that time of walking, it was a prayer walk for us. We would share the word, we would share the gospel, and then we would share things in the health sector. And then pray about them. I will never forget one day our prayer was held at the beginning of Independence Avenue, just in Woodlands. In that circle, in the middle of the road, we just held hands there, crazy guys, and prayed over the things that God had laid for us. Amen. So, people who had always seen me as a WHO representative now heard me talk about the Lord. Elder Gibster was there, he can testify. And then they now understood why Brother X was the way he was, because he was a man of the faith. Amen. Afterward, Brother X sent me a message and said, thank you, Nathan, for having spoken about the fact that a man of faith, I'm a man of faith. Now people can understand that I behave the way I do because I have the Lord. What am I trying to say? Make strategic relationships that will provide an opportunity for the harvest. Amen. Have those people come to the Lord? I don't know. But the seed was planted because of having built relationships. So point number three, be intentional about building strategic relationships that will enable you succeed at the workplace, but also open doors for the harvest should an inquiring soul approach you or an open door like at that farewell party open. Amen? Amen. Are we together? Yes. I'm looking at the time. I'm trying, I'm trying to move this thing as quick as I can. Number four. And I'm going to spend a bit of time on this one. Work, watch, and pray to bring in the harvest. All right? The Lord desires that you are well wherever you are positioned. He expects you to contribute to the good of where you are by working hard and praying specifically for that place to prosper. Now here, for those who read the nuggets know that I like using many versions, okay? But I am going to read the first one. Also seek the peace and prosperity of the city for which I have carried you into exile. Pray to the Lord for it, because if it prospers, you too will prosper. That is the NIV. But when you look at the Amplified, it says, For in the welfare of the city in which you live, you will have 
welfare. When you look at the century English version, it says, the third one, the more successful that nation is, the better off you will be. Guess what? If I want to be well, Zambia must be well. Hallelujah. Amen. If you want to be well in the marketplace, your place must be well. Because that's what God has said. Then one version says, because if good things happen in the city, good things will happen also to you. So the Lord has linked your well-being to the well-being of the place he has positioned you. Notice in this portion that he repeats the fact that he is the one who had sent them. All right? Again, emphasizing, I am the one who sent you to that place. We started with that. He repeats it here. All right? Then he says, then I want to say, now that the prosperity of your station depends on you. Tell your neighbor, the prosperity of your workplace. Turn to your neighbor. Help me preach. Depends on you. Work. Can you help me preach? Work as if you do not pray. And pray as if you do not work. Amen. Can we say that again? That's tweetable. Those on Twitter have just given you something tweetable. Amen. Okay. Work as if you do not pray. And pray as if you do not work. How then do we pray? For the marketplace. It is important to know what is good for your field or sphere of influence. And then also to know what is your contribution through hard work and prayer. So the first point I'll make is, and let's have the next slide. Pray for everything that bothers you and is not in alignment with the will of God, which is abundant life full of the shalom of God. Yeah, that's the correct one. Don't worry. Yeah. So Philippians 4, 6 to 7 says, do not be anxious or worried about anything, but in everything, that is every circumstance and situation, by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, continue to make your requests known unto God and the peace of God that passes understanding guards your hearts and minds. In the CEV, it says, God will bless you with peace that no one can completely understand. And this peace will control the way you think and feel. So the first point is, pray about anything and everything that bothers you. Turn your worries or anxiety into prayer items with thanksgiving. The kind of prayer here is specific and premised the promises of God. So find out from the promises of God how your life should be at the workplace and pray accordingly. Say, Lord, I come before you. According to this word, I'm supposed to enjoy my work. According to this, we are supposed to have resources. According to this, so you can multiply this everywhere. That's a petition. Do not become the CIC. Do you know who a CIC is? Commander-in-chief. But the CIC here is, do not become the complainer-in-chief. So ask your neighbor, are you a complainer-in-chief? 
So the, everybody knows in the office that that is the complainer in chief and they try to avoid you. Don't be the complainer in chief when you can pray. Complainers in chief bring a lot of toxicity in the place. Everyone avoids you leaving little room for the harvest. Because in the harvest requires engagement. So if you are the complainer in chief, nobody wants to be near you. The, prayer, the peace that follows your prayer will shock everyone and create an opportunity for the harvest. People will be asking, what makes you tick that you can be so peaceful when everyone else is disturbed? Also, as the place improves in answer to your prayers, people will begin to turn to you for support and you will bring in more fish. Hallelujah. Next slide. Secondly, pray for everyone, especially those in leadership. 1 Timothy 2.14 says, First of all then, I admonish and urge that petitions, prayers, intercessions, and thanksgivings be offered on behalf of all men. So the first thing, you can pray for everyone. Even that unbelieving boss or unbelieving colleague, even the worst of the worst, the Bible has told us we can pray for every one. Then it says, for those who are in positions of authority or high responsibility. The Lord is telling us that our prayers, one of the priorities would be to pray for the leadership. I attend the seven o'clock uh, prayer meeting and I assure you, Bishop, we prayed for you. We always pray for the leadership of this church, but also the leadership of the nation and also the leadership of your workplace. Amen? Why? So that we can live a peaceable life in godliness. In other words, when we pray for our leaders and our prayers are answered, then we live a life that is peaceable that creates a platform for the harvest. Maybe the reason why the harvest has become difficult at your workplace is you are not praying for the individuals there. You pray for them and, and, and whatever. But what is so striking, the Bible says this is pleasing and acceptable to our God and Savior. So if you have ever wondered about what to pray for, the Bible has just told us praying for our leaders is on the list. Is on the list of things that God wants us to pray. And why? Verse 4, who wishes all men to be saved. Isn't that the harvest? And increasingly to perceive and recognize and discern and know precisely and correctly the divine truth. So the thing is, don't waste time gossiping about or unfairly criticizing your leaders. If that conversation comes up, listen and turn it into a prayer burden because God just gave you a solution. So the result is peace and tranquility, the place improves, and you can live according to your Christian convictions. Therefore, you can bring in the harvest. Thirdly, all right, something I want to say, the next slide, please. 
work hard as if working for the Lord. And we all know that famous passage in Colossians, which talks about servants obey everything in the Lord, and you do that because of your deep respect for the Lord as a sincere expression of your devotion to him. All right? Verse 23 says, whatever may be your task, work at it heartily from the soul as something done for the Lord, not for men. Tell your neighbor, neighbor, do you say neighbor or neighbor? Neighbor. Neighbor. <laughs> neighbor. When working for that boss, you're actually working for the Lord. Therefore, work very hard as if the Lord himself is seated before you and is the one going to do your appraisal at the end of the month. Work with the right attitude, acquire the knowledge, and be the best they was because it will create an opportunity for the harvest. <laughs> it is very difficult for a lazy person to be successful in the harvest at the marketplace. The word lazy and your name should never be mentioned in the same sentence. <laughs> Tell your neighbor, the word lazy and your name should never be mentioned in the same sentence. Amen. Hard work earns you income and respect among the peers. A successful worker will hopefully pay their tithe and offering and expand the kingdom. Amen? So everything you do at the marketplace somehow comes back to establishing the kingdom. Next slide. Watch or keep an eye and an ear on what is happening and has a bearing on the welfare of where you are planted. Always keep your eyes focused on the harvest if your eyes are focused on the harvest, you cannot be aloof about what's happening in your office. Do you know these guys who come in, enter their office, and then they are reading their Bibles, and so never bother to find out what is happening in the office. How are you going to pray for the good of that office if you don't know what is happening? All right? Don't be aloof and say that, you know, I keep up this. Now, in my position as the WHO rep, I'm a leader of the Cooperating Partners for Health in Zambia. And I get to interact with the movers and shakers as well as the top leadership of this nation. These people determine or influence what happens in my sector. So when I go to meet them, I listen attentively while taking notes because the notes will guide my work and my prayer direction. On Thursday, I was part of a UN delegation that met with the president at State House. As he spoke, I took notes of His Excellency's vision for the health sector so that it will guide what I'll prioritize, but it will also guide 
how I pray. I already mentioned what we did with my brother X, okay, on our prayer walk. On a recent visit to Uganda, that was in March, April, the Lord spoke to me that the fire on my altar had gone out. So I said, what do you mean? You know one of those times when you hear an audible voice in your spirit doesn't happen often, but this time it happened. I realized that what the Lord was saying, I was no longer praying in my office like I used to before COVID-19. You remember I told you three years ago that I started my day with prayer? I repented and resumed waking up early in spite of the winter cold. It's really cold these days, eh? So getting out of bed at five is not easy, eh? So that I can have my quiet time at home, then also pray in the office. Ever since I rekindled the fire on my altar, I have seen a dramatic turnaround of things in my job that I thought were impossible a year ago. So, work hard. Okay, you can clap to the Lord. It's him doing it. So, work hard, watch and pray for your workplace to create the right conditions for the harvest. Now, if you look at Paul the Apostle's prayer, nothing was off his prayer list. He would pray, Lord, can you save us from these wicked people? Lord, can you help us? So if you, as you read the, the epistles, you would discover that Paul prayed about all kinds of things. So my encouragement in this scripture is one, work hard because the welfare def depends upon you. Pray hard because it is through prayer that God will move in that place, because the welfare of that place will determine your own welfare. Amen. Number five, and this is the last point. All right? Next slide. Listen to the correct voice and silence the contrary ones for the sake of the harvest. All right? Jeremiah 28, 29, 8 to 9 says, Some of you people in Babylonia are fortune tellers, and you've asked them to tell you what will happen in the future. But they will only lead you astray with their dreams, and don't let the prophets fool you either. They speak in my name, but their liars have not spoken to them. Does this sound familiar in today's world? Prophets all over the place, purporting to talk for the Lord. You know, there are so many voices out there that threaten to derail us, okay? Some of the most devastating voices are the internal ones. What is Nathan saying or thinking about Nathan, all right? Some of your own self-speak is devastating. But let the Lord transform your mind so that you can think the way the Lord thinks and say things about yourself the way you think. Now, I started by talking about the church affirmation. The church affirmation is a good point to silence the enemy voices. All right? It says, because I'm a child of God, can we say it together, and anointed by his spirit, I have skills, capacities, and talents to fulfill my destiny. I am... I look good and I'm connected to God and to men. Therefore, I will fulfill my purpose for my generation. For I'm an oak of righteousness, 
planted by the Lord for the display of his splendor and glory. If you don't know how to pray, just recite the church affirmation. Amen. Why? <laughs> it is based on the word of God. It is from John 1.12, 1 Samuel 16, verse 13 to 18, Acts 13.36, and Isaiah 61.3b. Everything in that affirmation is in the Bible. So what you are doing is you are affirming yourself in the word of God. I start my prayers in my office with the affirmation every day without fail. Because I'm a child of God. Then I pray for other things. Because it positions me in knowing who I, whose I am, what he has given me, the, 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 the resources before me, and where I am headed. Alright? So in that, and have you noticed that almost every sermon, including this one, are connected to the affirmation somehow? Because it's the Lord who gave it to us. That's why I celebrated its anniversary. Hallelujah. Now, turning to the prophets and fortune tellers, and I'm winding down, all right? We have many, they call them profit-making profit organization or profit, whatever, anyway. Forgive me. Everyone, including believers who know better, are running to prophets that the Lord has not spoken to and are getting confused. Worse still, even Christians are consulting Sangomas. So who are you listening to? Get into the word, for it has everything you need to navigate life. Pay attention to the word that is specific for you and stay faithful to it. When Pastor Katanga preaches Jeremiah 29, 11, and it catches your attention, go and study it, meditate upon it for the rest of the week or the whole month, if necessary, until you get what he was saying. If Bishop Muparutsa says something about Jacob and Israel, and it strikes you, go and think through it and work it out. The point is, don't leave the word here. I'm amazed that when my boss calls me, I go with a pen and paper. When I come to church, when God is speaking, I don't write. I'll leave that one there. If I did not have a word from God concerning my assignment in Zambia, I was ready to leave Zambia in June 2019. I am still here because of the word that was spoken in my life. Amen. You may say, WHO representative and the word, yes, I'm not above the word. In fact, in my position, I need the word of God and God's grace much more than ever before. Right. Hallelujah. Listen to the genuine men and women of God that is put in your life. Let's turn to 1 Thessalonians 5, 12 to 13. It says, Dear brothers and sisters, honor those who are your leaders in the Lord's work. They work hard among you and give you what? They give you what? Show them great what? Let's read that one together. 13. And live peacefully with each other. You see, it is the anointing that you honor, respect, 
and treat with love that will bless you. Bishop Muparutsa talked about Jacob and Israel speaking. I, I hope some people were here that way. That was profound. What you receive will be determined by whether you see your leader as a Jacob or as an Israel. I thank God for my pastor Katanga who became an Israel that day because he, he released a profound word and he's responsible for all the things I've said today. Hallelujah. Sometime last year, my wife and I were struggling with a major decision that threatened to derail our assignment in Zambia. The Lord used my father, Bishop JHK, and Elder Gibster to speak to us and were able to resolve that issue. That's why I'm standing before you today. That's, that's what God can do. When you honor, respect, and love the people God has planted in your life, then you get that spiritual guidance. These are not ordinary people. I'm not saying go and kiss his shoes and whatever, but when he speaks, he is oscillating between Jacob and Israel, know when he's in what mode, and grab what he has given you. Elder Makangira sacrificed his lunch and came to my office, and we spent about an hour and 15 minutes talking. That's why I'm standing here today. Thank you, Elder. <laughs> Operate according to the truth you know and stick to it. When you hear a word that catches your attention, study and meditate upon it until you get what the Lord is saying. He looks upon his word to perform it. It is the word that has been revealed, received, researched, meditated upon, believed, and actioned upon that will bear fruit in your life. Take notes and, and, and take another look. The Bible says, my sheep hear my voice and so on. So I want to conclude. Let's put the final slide. For I know, can we read that together? Let's stand up as we say this one. I'm winding, I'm, I'm finishing. One, two, three, go. For I know the thoughts and plans that I have for you, says the Lord. Thoughts and plans for welfare and peace and not for evil to give you hope in your final outcome. Next slide. So these are the points that I talked about. And we'll leave them on the screen and we will pray now. If you want to pray, you can pray through those points as I lead in prayer. But also, as is my habit, I've already handed over my sermon notes and my slides, they're available with the team. Whoever needs them can get them for their use. So let us pray. Father God, we've heard your word. You've told us to keep the main thing, the main thing, which is to bring in the harvest. And that all that we shall do must revolve around this because heaven is our final decision. Lord, today we accept where you've planted us. We choose to settle down. We choose to engage effectively for this season because we know that in your time, you move us to the next desired level. Lord, help us to cultivate strategic relationships that will contribute to the harvest. Lord, I pray that as we work, watch, 
and pray for, your st uh, for our station in life, for its prosperity. Lord, we know that our work, watch and pray for our station in life, our prosperity depends upon it, and that you that will determine our prosperity. Lord, I pray that as we go to work tomorrow, as we do those assignments that are given to us, we will know that whatever we do is going to determine our prosperity. Let's never take any assignment lightly, because that is what you've desired. And Lord, we want to say with conviction that you have plans for us, that you will ultimately take us where we belong, which is heaven. But while on the way, you order our steps and you take us to every place that we are supposed to get to because you don't have one plan, but you have many plans and those plans will be, will be fulfilled. So we thank you. We bless you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.